I'm joined now by Janet Ellis, who's kindly agreed to do a quick podcast with me. Um, Janet has just spoken on the platform about her latest book, no, her first book, The Butcher's Hook, and her latest book is called How It Was. She's going to tell us a little bit about her writing, about the two books, and also about why she's agreed to come and speak at the Dolverton Literary Festival, so we're so pleased that she could come. My pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you. Go ahead, tell us about your books. The Butcher's Hook um, came out in 2016 and it's set in 1763, but it's not what I would call a historical novel in that the, the, the time is the backdrop to what my characters are getting up to. But I was very interested in a time when women had no agency, really. My heroine, Anne Jacob, is born into fairly well-to-do family, so she's expected to marry well and mm-hmm. just move on. But she's bright and she wants to know about the world. She's had a little bit of education. A friend of her father's stepped in for a while. It ended disastrously, spoiler alert. But she's still trying to find her way in the world and really beginning to rebel against her father's expectation. Although, of course, she doesn't really know why, because she was expected to do what he wanted. And then she falls in love with the butcher's boy, which is disastrous, because obviously he's not the right person. There's no way that they could go public on this. And there are various impediments, not least the fact that he's not uh, high-born. But she decides to dispense with those in her own way. And because her moral compass is a little wonky, it doesn't end well for these people. Oh, so it's that kind of book. so, yeah, it is. And when, so when you're thinking about how you're going to bump people off, (laughs) do you have people in mind that you think, oh, (laughs) that person did me wrong back in the day? Well, it's a funny thing writing about um, fictitious characters because people that you know, despite the fact that a lot of these people behave terribly badly, Mm. do dreadful things or don't end well, everybody kind of wants to be them. Yes. So I just tell everybody, yeah, it was you. Yeah, do you? Do you? So people read your It's based on a load of people, but I kind of wink that it could possibly be you. (laughs) And so one of the things I'm interested in, and people, when I've said, oh, Janet Ellis is speaking, they've said, oh, from Lupita. I think I want to know where you got the idea. You know, when did you want to write? When did you know you were going to do that? I have wanted to forever. I didn't know I would do it until recently, really. Um, Because things were going fairly well for me in other ways. You know, I've been incredibly lucky in in both my careers, acting and presenting. And uh, and I've also had three children. But the back of my mind was always a real imperative to write. But the longer it went on, the more nervous I felt about Mm. it. I could not bear to just put a book in front of somebody and then go... Yeah, you know, I knew yes, that it had to be good or not, actually. Yeah. Um, I got various people along the way who'd been encouraging, which is always very nice, but unfortunately for me, mostly, it wasn't enough to really propel me. But the last factor, the last link in the chain, was doing a very brief writing course at um, Curtis Brown, where I was simply, um, it was one evening a week for two hours, but working with other people, mm. other would-be writers, and looking at their work was incredibly useful oh, really? for writing mine. Because I could see, I mean, we were a very close group. We were very lucky because obviously you're thrown together by yes. chance. And um, the ones that are still in this country, we're all still in touch and we meet up fairly regularly. Oh, it is really lovely. Mm. But it was just looking at their work and thinking, but if you just shifted this a bit, or what about bringing that character forward? And I thought, that's what I need to do for yes. mine. I need to make this more of a 
dispassionate business yeah. as well as the emotional creativity, which obviously has to go into it. But uh, I, I felt incredibly lucky that that was the last link in the chain because I don't know where I'd be without it. No. So you didn't just sort of sit down in your study, start writing and think, hurrah, I've written a masterpiece. I Love should take it, it to a Love publisher. Study. Yeah. <laughs> I write in a very small corner of what used to be, it's a tiny room, but we used to call it the playroom. And because I've got endless grandchildren, it's still where all the toys yes. are kept. And I tried actually writing elsewhere. I'm slightly in awe of people who can go away on a kind of writing mm. retreat and do nothing, but that doesn't work for me. I like the idea of cafes, but I'm just too busy looking at the yeah. cakes, so that doesn't work either. So I found that working in my house, quite near both a kettle and the loo, works. Yes. And when do you write? What time of day? I don't have one of those. Oh. And again, that's why I think I've written two books, because for years and years I used to listen to writers going, well, I always get up at five, and then I do two hours and 6,000 yes. words, and I thought... Oh my gosh, that's not yeah. me. And I did slightly worry, this sounds really trivial, but I was really worried that I'd have to sort of give up being me a bit, that I'd have to stop seeing my friends mm. and I'd have to really give up to the whole process. And of course, the truth is you do, but it's organic. Mm. You know, it's not like you're going through your diary at the beginning of the week and thinking, no, none of that. It just becomes an easy thing to say, I'll see you next time because I just need to get this down. But it's a much more organic process than I thought, and it's mine. And yes. there are two books, yeah. hopefully, hopefully a third on the way because of it, which I would say I hope is reassuring to other people that to be a writer, you have to write as you. You don't have to worry mm. about other people's process. So you didn't look at your other people on the course, look at their style and go home and think, I must be more like them. Absolutely not. But you did think... This is the skill to writing a commercially successful I thought book. I have to be more like me. Yes. You know, I can't write with a reader in mind. Mm. The only reader I ever get until really late on the process is me. Yeah. So I have to make sure it rings true to me that mm. I haven't... I mean, I have a particular thing. I, I love the English language. And pretty much everything in the world has already been described and written about. Yeah. Everything from having a cup of tea to having sex. All of it's been written about but not by me. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted my take on yeah. that. And I'm writing that. So when I've managed to describe something in a fresh way, I do feel occasionally a sense of achievement. Mm. Of course, that's a tiny bit with an entire book. But I didn't feel I wanted to copy anyone's style. I could, I could do that. One of the reasons I chose a really short writing course is because I knew if it was a longer one, I would start wanting to be teacher's pet and I would write to yeah. order. So you're quite competitive. I probably want to just be teacher's pet. Yeah. I probably want approval. So I just want someone to say, oh, lovely, do more of that. Whereas, in fact, what ended up being um, was a book that nobody, including me, had predicted. And do you think because you're Janet Ellis, <laughs> the presenter, that people recognise and know, and your voice is very recognisable, that therefore you have to go that little bit further to be a book that's worth reading? No. And in fact, my book went to publishers under a pseudonym. I was going to ask you yeah, a few years because to because um, although you know it's it's completely random what people might expect an ex Blue Peter presenter to write, it probably isn't the butcher's hook. But it was terribly important to me, as I say, I'm my yes. reader, that it was mine. Yeah. And so when it initially went out, yeah, it yeah. went out in my grandmother Jo Winter's name. Oh, lovely. She she got the deal, but I it's still my name on the book. <laughs> <laughs> and was that book, the butcher's hook, was that in your head for a while? That story the idea of that particular time of you know the, the 
fascination with the Georgian period. But like I say, it's the background. So although I did research, it was really just to make sure I wasn't tripping up mm. with what my characters were mm. able to do and the time in which they were able to do it. But also a passionate belief that despite the fact that we regard things that happened before we were around as history, people are people yes. and they must have been as terrible, judgmental, greedy, flatulent or whatever as the rest of us. You know, it's, <laughs> yes. we're, all, we're all human beings and the fact that they didn't have mobiles mm. or get into cars surely didn't mean that their appetites and their aspirations and their emotions were yeah. massively different. So that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be inside someone's head who couldn't just text someone, who couldn't just hop on a tube, who couldn't just realised her dreams because she wasn't at school and nobody was discussing them with yeah. her. So, yeah, I wanted to keep her tiny, but possibly in a bigger world. Okay. And tell us about the other one. <laughs> How it was is, is different again. It's the story of a woman whose husband, they're long estranged, but her husband is dying. And as she sits with him, accompanying him through his last days, she brings in pictures to show him of their life together. He's now happily, and she's happy for him, he's happily remarried and his wife is completely happy with this arrangement because they had two children. Mm. And she had become obsessed with the fact that her daughter, a very young daughter, teenage daughter, was in a relationship with a man that she was also planning on having an affair with. This is in the 70s when the sort of backwash of the swinging 60s just began to ripple against the tide. She's in very, very rural Kent, very small world. But the upshot was that men expected women to be completely available yes. because of swinging symptoms yes. you know, and the pill. And women were feeling, again, it's a hangover from the butcher's hook, that sort of repression of an expectation where there was a big and busy world, but how could you get there? Mm. And she has an affair with this absolutely... Ter- I loved writing him. He's everybody, every bloke... <laughs> that we all recognise <laughs> from those times who just really, you know, it doesn't end well. It okay. doesn't end well. But also that thing of it's also in the in her daughter's diary. So you get both sides alongside this parallel oh, story. Well, I love her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, that. It's it's another yeah, I'm trying to write a book with a happy ending. I'm trying that's the little task I've set yeah, myself. Yeah, happy ending so <laughs> I I'll think try. people don't always expect it unless you're watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Where they bake cookies yes. and then they get married at the end. Yeah. And he accepts that she has a career. Absolutely. And he's going to build her a bit of jeopardy, but it all exactly. kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> so, why this festival? Any festival. Any? Honestly, any festival. Um, the first time I was invited to one, it was tiny. Mm. It was, I think it was Oswestry. Um, and I just thought, Two things. First of all, writing is solitary, so it's lovely to meet yes. writers and people who read. You know, that's that's my drive, mm. so that's really nice. And also, let's be perfectly honest, a lot of writers never get asked to do this. Yes. They just don't. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's sad for them, really sad, because you will never know how lovely it is until you've sat with other people mm. and talked about something that is part of you, but now, luckily, successfully yes because you. you've shared all these yes, things with everyone else absolutely. so they have an ownership and it's a that. fantastic community you know readers and writers mm. readers I've been part of for as long as I can remember writers I'm new to but they've been really welcoming and the yes. publishing industry has been really welcoming and they didn't have to no. and actually I do a podcast now called twice upon a time where I interview random people you know anyone really yeah. about their favorite childhood book 
And it's really revealing listening to people when they first begin to identify with a book. Mm. Because everybody I ask, everybody Different. always has one. You know, that book that made you think, yes, that's my, that's it. Whatever it is, whether it's, you know, a Tintin book, which was um, somebody's choice, or whether it's a book of magic or whether it's a novel. You know, they've always yeah. got one book that made them think... And I think just for a moment, sometimes, you know, I've sat with other writers and I've been able to say, it was you. It was your book. Mm. I love that book. And, mm. and to hear it, however infrequently from people who've read your book, is a magical moment. You know, it's that yes. little tiny connection. And it's the connection that the reader me wants to really hold hands with. So honestly, any festival. It's a privilege. And I think it is what I've seen today here is how much readers and the audience want to talk to authors. Absolutely. And I can remember one of my first memories with books was um, not so much the book itself, but looking at the picture of the author. Yes. So say Roald Dahl, for instance. So you had all these crazy giants and a giant peach and a yeah. frenzy giant or whatever <laughs> it was. And then you'd see a picture of yes. what looked to me like someone ancient yes. who couldn't possibly understand children. Exactly. And I found that mm. quite interesting. And I started, you know, I love The Hobbit, so I mm -hmm. was looking at pictures of Tolkien. And you just think, these aren't the people I had imagined Absolutely. who'd written these books because you're in another world. Absolutely. But yeah. I do think I, people have really appreciated having the author here to yes. ask questions of. Well, it, honestly, it's mutual. You know, I know that Good. sounds very twee, but no, it, it is very mutual because, um, you know, at the beginning of all of this, you know, when, when my publishers were saying, you know, so we'll see if anyone invites you to a <laughs> festival. And I thought, well, I hope they do. That would be really nice. And, and I was really lucky the first time round. I'm not kidding myself that a lot of that was probably based on things I've done before mm. as well. You yes. know, but that's totally fine because I know the book I wrote is the one I wanted to write. Yeah. So I stand by that, you yeah. know, it's no one else's words. And eventually, even, and probably not even eventually, now, people are coming, Janet Ellis, the authoress, they're not thinking that was the lady that used to do Blue Peter because they won't know that. I'm happy about both. Yes. I mean, usually, to be perfectly honest, if they're younger, it's safe Ellis Baxter's mum. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. I don't mind. Nothing's off limits. No, that's excellent. Yeah. I'm so pleased you've talked to us because I was thinking I wasn't going to get a chance. Oh, so that's well, been nice amazing. Of you to ask me. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad you came. And you're staying at Ali's place tonight, yes. I think. So you'll have yes. a lovely time. Absolutely cozy. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. A nice supper this evening. And. Right now, cream tea, please. Yes, cream tea. Well, we're very good at that here, so you'll enjoy that. Thank you. Thanks oh, again. Total pleasure. Thank you.